Over the last many weeks, there has been a lot of concern and a lot of questions, a lot of wondering, a lot of unanswered things that have come into our lives. In preparing for today, I thought about many of those questions, many of those things that we today have asked. What's the church going to look like after all of this has taken place? Will the church be full again? Will the church be empty? Will will this usher in the end times? Reminded me of the confusion and the concern, the uncertainties that the apostles must have felt after they had just watched their Savior, the, the, the one they loved, die on a cross. In the last month and a half, their lives were like a whirlwind as the disciples wondered what was next. Where do we go from here? The question that I want us to examine this morning as we look at the text is a question the disciples asked so long ago. The same question that we are probably asking today. Where do we go from here? On that day that the Lord went to the cross, their dreams and their hopes crashed. And when he said those last words and he gave up his spirit, all that they could see was the end. But yet, was it the end? And we, sitting on this side, see what they could not see. They looked ahead where we are looking back and we see what God did for them and for us. The Bible tells us they hid themselves for fear that they themselves might be nixed, as as we did. We hid ourselves in fear that we might be the next one to catch COVID-19. We hid in such that we did not forego. But the days after Jesus died, the the disciples struggled. And then, three days later, He rose from the grave and appeared to them. And their hopes that were once dashed now became hopeful again. But yet, listen, the Scripture teaches us that even though they had the hope of the resurrection, we look at their lives and it was a wave of up and down, of uncertainty and and, and then of height and then of uncertainty. As a matter of fact, the Scripture teaches us that there were many of the disciples that almost gave up and quit. Then the Lord drew them aside. He took them and He began to teach them some truths that that they desperately needed, that they didn't get when His three and a half years of ministry with them. If you look at chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, To whom also they showed Himself alive after this passion of many infallible proofs, then being seen of them forty days and speaking of things pertaining the coming of the kingdom of God. He spent time talking to them, leaving them a ministry, a work to do, telling them He was transferring His work to them. And then He shared with them. They needed to know what the Lord expected of them, so He taught them. They needed to know that where they were to be uh, doing the work of the Lord, so He taught them. 
They needed comfort for their troubled hearts, so he gave them comfort. He spent 40 days with his men, instructing them, confronting them, and comforting them, and spending time educating and encouraging them in the Scripture. Then after 40 days with Jesus, after his resurrection, the disciples were standing on the mount, the Mount of Olives. He gives them some final words. We know we find in Matthew chapter 28 those wonderful words that we call the Great Commission. He tells them that there there is a task for them to do, a work that, that needs to be done until He returns. Can I just remind you, church, He has not returned yet, so the work is not completed. So standing upon the the Mount of Olives after those 40 days, giving them the final instructions, he begins to rise, ascending into the heavens. Suddenly, he is gone, taken out of their sight, taken from their presence, and they are left bewildered on the mountain without their Lord once again. In that moment, the disciples are filled with more questions than they have answers. Their minds are doubtless filled with many confusing thoughts. While they stand there looking into the skies, a messenger from God appears and asks them some serious questions that need to be asked of us today. You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? The angels are simply asking, what are you looking at? In other words, what has your attention today? What are you so focused in on? What are you looking for today? These same questions are on the mind of so many of us as God's children, especially today and and, and all of the uncertainty and all of the concern of what has happened around the world and and, and what's taking place in our own country and how it has affected our personal lives. There are many of us asking the question, what do we do from here? Where do we go from here? That is the question that I want us to look to as we look at the life of the disciples this morning and and, and look at four things that they share with us that Jesus wants us to be aware of. First of all, in verse 9, we see a confusing departure. While Jesus stands with His disciples on the Mount of Olives, instructing them of the task that is yet at hand, and and, and again, if we we look and, and see what He says... You see, we know that he tells them that there is a job to do. Go ye therefore and make disciples unto all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And then gravity suddenly loses its power over Jesus and he begins to ascend up into the heavens until he is in a cloud. After Jesus ascends into heaven... His disciples looked steadfastly towards the heavens in verse 10. And then verse 11 says they were gazing into heaven. The word looked steadfastly and the the word gazing translates the same word and that word means that they were transfixed on Jesus as he ascended back into heaven. They were amazed at what was taking place before their very eyes. Something they had not seen before. He was once here and then all of a sudden he was gone. We looked but we could no longer see him. 
transfixed looking and gazing of the disciples into heaven speaks of more than just standing there in mere amazement. It suggests that they were looking for him, looking for the man who, they, as they were worried that they had lost him forever. It suggests a look of hopelessness and bewilderness, of sadness and a brokenheartedness, of an astonishment that they once possessed him, but now they have lost him. I am certain, no doubt, that the Lord's departure that day left the disciples very confused. They did not understand that that the reason completely why he had to leave them here while he went back up into heaven. Why don't we just all go? Why don't we just all go with you now? I think many of us as Christians have asked the question that why is it that I am still here if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I've placed my faith and trust in Him. Why didn't He just take me so that I don't have to deal with the sinfulness of this world anymore? Let me give you three things. And I think the Lord's departure that morning was trying to teach them as it teaches us. First of all, they needed to understand if Jesus had not gone away, the Spirit of God could not have come. I told you this earlier that that today is Pentecost Sunday and it is the time in which the Spirit of the Lord, we celebrate the fact that 50 days after the, the, the Passover, the Spirit of God came upon man to empower them. But Jesus reminds us, the Scripture is clear, that unless I leave, He cannot come. means that they were walking these many years by sight. They had lived with Jesus. They heard His voice. They saw His miracles. They felt His touch. He was real as real could be. He was as tangible as tangible could be. When Jesus died on the cross, the disciples were filled with fear. Even after the resurrection, many of them still had doubts and were were not sure that they should continue on following this Jesus. These men had become so accustomed to being with Jesus, they did not believe they could function without Him. I wonder how many of us are so dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God today that if the Spirit of God was to be removed from us, we would even notice. I'm afraid that too many of us know that we have a Spirit, but we do not know the Spirit. When Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit comes according to John chapter 16, verse 7. said, it is good for me that I leave you so that the Father will send the Spirit. These men will then learn to walk by faith and not just by sight, according to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. The Spirit of God will be in them and to empower them for service. Jesus wanted to use these men to accomplish great things as He does the church today. He wants us to work through the working of the Holy Spirit so that we might reach the people around us. Jesus wanted to use them for His great work. Today being Pentecost Sunday, which is the 50th day after Passover and the fulfillment, if you look to chapter 2 in verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like fire that set upon each of them. 
And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It was at that day of Pentecost that the Spirit of God poured out Himself upon us. So Jesus had to leave in order for the Spirit to come. The second thing that we see is we enjoy the same blessings of the Spirit today. Because Jesus went to heaven to make intercession for them. When He ascended back into heaven, Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father. When He had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. He is there today as our representative before the Father, guaranteeing that He is there so that one day you and I might be there. I love those verses in John chapter 14. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if I go and prepare a place for you, which He has gone to do, He said, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. We have a representative in the king's court. And my friends, that means everything. Our Savior is in the presence of God, where He ever lives to make intercession for us, Hebrews 7.25 tells us. That is, when you and I have sin that creeps into our lives, when Satan accuses us before the throne of God, we have a Savior who stands before the Father. According to John's uh, writing, he said the debt has already been paid. You are bought with a price. And Jesus says, Father, they're mine. They're covered under the blood. His presence in heaven is why saints of God are eternally secure here while we walk through this sinful world. The Savior is ever interceding with the Father on our behalf. Thus we are able to stand both now and later in front of the blameless Father. Now the scripture says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to prevent you faultless before the presence of the glory with exceeding joy, Jude 1.24. The third thing that he says, not only does Jesus have to go for the Spirit to come, not only is he there so that he can intercede on our behalf, but Jesus went to heaven so that one day he could return for his church. One day he could come back and claim that which is rightfully his. Before he went to the cross, he made a promise that he would return for his people one day. Again, John chapter 14, verse 3, If I go, I will come again. The angels at the ascension affirmed in, in our promise in, in Acts chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10, Why are you standing up? The same Lord that ascended for before your eyes is the same God who will come down from the heavens and receive you unto himself. The angels made the promise, but the scripture, in the last of the scripture, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse uh, tw or 22 and verse 20, tells us this. Jesus said, surely I come quickly. All of us as believers have ever known is that Jesus is not here physically with us. But might I remind you that while he may not be here physically with us, 
He is physically present in heaven and He has given to us the gift of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us so that He is there interceding on our behalf so that we have the presence of God living within us. And He will return for His people. He will take us to heaven. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we, I, I use this so many times at the graveside of a loved one. One day the dead in Christ shall rise and, and those that remain shall meet Him in the air. When He comes, we shall be there. For those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, He may not be here physically, but He is there waiting for us. There were many things that were on the disciples' mind the day of the ascension. The day that He ascended in from them into the presence of the Father was the foremost thing that they could think of. He had left us to go to the Father. We in our troublesome times in which we're living in today, as we're looking for the coming of the Lord, wondering, is it coming soon? Is it nearby? We would do well to take the time to think about what the ascension of Jesus Christ means to us. That we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have an intercessor on the other side. We have one who has is, is promised that he's coming back for us. Yes, it was a confusing time for the disciples. But also there was a concerning future ahead. You know, many of us are wondering, what is life going to look like? How is it going to affect our everyday life? We all have those issues. With Jesus going away, the disciples are concerned about what the future holds both for them and for the work that the Lord spoke of. They asked Jesus about the future and about when they could expect that He would establish His kingdom. They want to know if the time has come or if they are to continue to wait patiently. We're living in a time when many of us have concerns. We're concerned about what our future looks like. We're concerned, will we get back to work? Will, will the economy pick up? Will, will life begin to ease up? Will troubles continue to come? Will we have another wave of effect? Will, will we shut down again? We have all kinds of things. We're wondering, what is the church going to look like on the other side of COVID-19? Wondering. I've had this question more in the last six weeks than I guess I have in the last six years. Preacher, do you suppose this is the signs of the end times? Well, I'm going to make a statement. I don't know. But this I do know. We're one day closer today than we were yesterday. I believe that with all my heart. There's a concerning future not only for the disciples but for us today. And you would think that the Lord, understanding the confusion and the concern of the heart of the people, would give an answer that would make them feel better. But listen, the answer the Lord gives them is anything but clear. Jesus tells them essentially that such matters are not their business, but belonging to the secret providential working of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 29 leaves us with these words. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. They're not for us to know. 
The future is one of those secret things, my friends, which man is prevented from knowing. So let me just remind you so that you don't run out and and, and try to find the answers. No uh, would-be called psychic, medium, soothslayer, or prophet can tell you what uh, tomorrow holds for you. Only God knows that truth. No one but God can tell you what your future holds. No one but God knows the future and how it holds upon us. When Jesus will come for his people, when we will be called out of this world, none of us know. Anyone who says differently is simply deceiving you, my friends. While no human being may know what the future holds, every one of us that are believers in Jesus Christ know who holds our future. And that is more important than knowing what my future is, knowing who holds my future. When I know that the Lord has me, I don't have to worry about what I will have to do. I just know that He's got me. And therefore, I'm okay. Our Father stands just outside of time. He transcends the boundaries of time and space. While you and I cannot see the future, the Lord is already in all of our tomorrows. He has prepared our way. He's ordered our steps. The psalmist tells us that in chapter 37 and and Proverbs chapter 16. I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me that I may not know what my next steps are, but God does. There's a prayer that I've learned to pray And I try to pray it almost every morning before I begin my day. Lord, lead and guide and direct the steps of my life that they may be ordered by the Lord. You see, when we recognize that that it is not what we're doing, but what He has already done for us, that He's already been in our tomorrows, we should be praying, Lord, You already know what I need to be doing Guide and direct my footsteps. He walks with us. He walks ahead of us. He secures our future. Because Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 reminds us of a promise, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. Tomorrow. It's a concerning thing for all of us as mortals. We all concern ourselves with tomorrow. We wonder, how many of you have checked the weather for the week? How many of you have said, Alexa, what's the weather for tomorrow? Or Google, what's the weather for this week? Or Siri, what's the weather for today? We all have a tendency to be concerned about tomorrow. And, and, and God wants us to understand It's okay to be concerned, but when our concern turns into worry, we're in trouble. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says that we are not even promised that we will be here tomorrow. Why worry about tomorrow? Take care of today. Tomorrow has its own troubles. James reminds us that we should not count tomorrows, but that we should recognize that today is the day that we've been given. Today, the fair winds may be blowing around us. Tomorrow, we may find the storms of our lives have raged. 
While the future may be shrouded in mystery, as far as you and I are concerned, we have the Lord's assurance that He is already there, that He is our future well in hand. The disciples were concerned about their future, but they had no need to be. The Father had their future well in hand. How about you? Are you concerned about tomorrow's? Are you worried and fears and doubts about tomorrow troubling you today? If they do, let me encourage you as Jesus encouraged them. He has your future. He holds your tomorrows. Your Father has already taken care of you. They are in His hands and so are you. A third thing that he teaches us here is that there is a challenging task ahead. And church, this is the part that I want us to understand. There was a confusing departure. Why did the Lord leave and not just take us all with him? I don't know, but there is an answer. And what about the struggles of life? Now, in verses 4 and 5 and verse 8... We find that there is a challenging task ahead. Another element of that, the disciples had to look at that day, was the assignment that the Lord had left them there on Mount of Olives. He said to them, Go ye therefore into all the worlds, beginning in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, and make disciples. Have you ever stopped to think about that just for a moment, church? What does that really mean for us? What a great big task. How am I, how am I ever going to reach the world? How am I ever going to reach the whole world? Break it down in the way Jesus told us to. Begin in your Jerusalem, your Judea, and your Samaria. Your Jerusalem is that inner circle we started many weeks ago, uh, uh, before we knew all of this craziness was going to happen, we started with this very reality. And let me bring it over so that the, the camera can see it and so that everybody will know what I'm talking about. Who's your one? Who is that one in which in your inner circle, in your Jerusalem that you can reach? Who is that one that you can pray for, that you can share the gospel with until they come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Your Judea are those that you uh, hang around with. Those in that next circle of realm of friends and associates. And then your Samaria, your workplace. The uttermost parts of the world is wherever you go, whenever you go. They were to begin at home and then expand out. They were tasked with sharing the gospel to all people in all places. The mandate in which they were was to preach the gospel to every creature. They were to go and to teach all nations. These men had a message to tell and the Lord had sent them out to tell it. The assignment must have been front and center in their minds as they watched Jesus depart. How will we ever do it alone? How can we do it? We've seen you do it. We've watched you do it. We've helped you do it. But how can we do it alone? I 
think the church is still asking that question today. Lord, if you're in heaven and we're on earth, how can we do it without you? We have forgotten. Did not leave us here alone. For the last three and a half years of Jesus' life, the disciples had watched the Lord do and sending out them to do what he was called to do. They had heard him preach the gospel. They watched him love the lost. They watched him cross all social and religious barriers to reach sinners. He had used them in many ways. He had sent them out to preach. But they always came back to him and and found their strength and comfort in failure and trouble and answers to their dilemmas. Now, he was gone. He had gone away and they were left behind to carry on this mighty task without him. Surely the task that they had heard filled their hearts with fear. How would they do it without the Lord? How would they accomplish the work of God without His help? In this very text, Jesus reminds us that even though He is going away, He is not leaving them without help for the work. Consider verse 5. Jesus promises them that they will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. That promise was fulfilled just ten days later on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God came to create and to fill the church with His power and His presence. Again, we find that in Acts chapter 2. In verse 8, Jesus tells the disciples that the Holy Ghost will empower them to carry out the mission God is leaving them here to do. They are not to do God's work on their own. The promise is that His power, His grace, His touch, His blessing will be upon them as they carry out the work of the gospel. For those of you wondering why you're still here, let me remind you why we're still here today. God has not changed His mind. He has not changed His plan. Even after COVID-19, the church has still got the same directive. We are to go into all the worlds preaching and teaching the gospel and to teach them and to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. The reason that He leaves us in this world that is filled with sin and problems and pain and distress is so that you and I might witness to those that are stuck in their sin that our God has given His saving grace to all who will hear and receive. You do not need to be trapped in your sin, my friends, but God has given unto us a release called salvation. He died on the cross to set us free from our sin. He rose from the grave to promise us eternal life. He ascended into heaven to give us a task to do, to continue to proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus wants you and I to continue to reach the lost with the gospel. Why should we be ready to share the gospel with those that are around us? Listen to what Peter said. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. 
My friends, God has given you and I a testimony of once that we were a sinner trapped in our sin, held bound by sin, but yet because of the cross of Calvary, because He died on Calvary's tree, because He shed His blood, I have been set free! I have a testimony to share with the world. Church, may we pray today that as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, that the Spirit of God will fall afresh and anew upon our church, the church of Jesus Christ, and we will get back to the Father's business. Let me close with a comforting promise that He gives in verses 10 and 11. For those of you that are struggling with the, uh, all of the, the negativity and all of the sadness and all of the distress of this world, God says, be of good cheer, my friends. The minds of the disciples are filled with many thoughts and many struggles and, and many worries. They have been given an assignment that as far exceeds their own personal abilities. They face a future that is unknown and probably more than likely very frightening to top it all off. They had just watched as their Savior, their Lord, the one that they had left everything behind for just to follow Him disappear into a cloud of glory. They are terrified. They're filled with many questions about today and certainly about all of their tomorrows. They're so captivated by the sight of Jesus going up that they don't even see that which Jesus has sent to them. I think oftentimes we are the same way. We're so captivated by all the problems and all the stress of life that we don't see that He has sent us help standing right next to us. And there upon the Mount of Olives there were two men that were not a part of the group but had come to comfort and to encourage the group. God has sent two angels, two messengers from God. And simply with, with words of encouragement and, and, and words of, of confirmation, but words of challenge, why? Why are you so busy standing there looking when there's so much to be done? Why are you so busy worrying about tomorrow when you've got all of today? Why are you so focused on, on, on what you need to do when God says just do what you're doing? He asked them, why are you looking into the heavens as if you didn't believe. And the angel tells them, this same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner to, to, to be with you as you have seen him. While the future unfolds around us, in the midst of all of its uncertainty and questions, and while our lives are occupied with serving Him, we have a blessed confidence that Jesus is coming, and He's coming again to claim them which are His.
One day Jesus will come for you and for me if we have placed our life and our faith in Him. That is why Paul refers to the Lord's coming as a blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and of our Savior Jesus Christ. My friends, no matter what today holds, no matter what tomorrow brings, no matter what our future looks like, we have a promise from God that one day, rather through the undertaker or the upper taker, I'm going to meet Jesus. And I can't wait to see my Savior face to face. To thank Him for all that He has done for me. All that He has done to save me. So let me ask. So we ask the question, where do we go from here? i got to ask you, church, what are you looking at today? What's captivating your thoughts? Are the things that the media is throwing at us got us so captivated that we're wondering what tomorrow looks like? Or have we taken the time to open the book and see who holds tomorrow? What are you looking at? What are you preoccupied with today? Are you confused about the turns that life has taken? Are you worried over the future and what it holds for you? If you're worried about your today and your tomorrows, I challenge you to leave them in the hands of the Lord. He has your todays and all of your tomorrows well in hand. You and I can bring our fears to Him and let Him comfort our troubled hearts. Over and over again, Jesus did just that for His people. Are you actively serving the Lord and doing the work of sharing the gospel as He has called us to? Are you praying for your one? Are you working to reach that one for Christ? If you're serving the Lord and sharing Him with the lost, carry on, my friends. Continue to do the Father's business. One day, He's coming. And the Bible tells us that He will reward those who are diligently seeking Him. Are you caught up in the wonder of a risen Savior who loves you, who gave Himself for you on Calvary's cross? If you're caught up in Jesus and His glory, it's a wonderful place to be. It means that you're saved and you're ready to meet the Lord and you're looking, but you're serving until He comes. But I have a question for some that are here today. Some that are out there listening today. It's a serious question. It's the one that we must really focus on. It's the question that we must make sure we have an answer to. Are you even looking for His coming? My friends, listen. Are you even ready for the return of the Lord for it may be soon? None of us are if we haven't first settled the business of salvation yet. 
We will never be looking for the coming of the Lord when we're trapped in the midst of our sin. We must first deal with our sinful problem. We must come to the cross. We must remember that Jesus paid it all for us. And we must come to Him for salvation. If this morning you feel the Savior calling, the Spirit of the Lord tugging upon your heart, if you feel there's something missing in your life, something that would keep you from seeing Jesus if He were to return, if there's sin that has entrapped your life and and, and caused you to, to do your thing and not His thing, let me just tell you that that's Jesus calling you to salvation today. If you're here today and if you're listening out there today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never come to know His saving grace, I share with you, my friends, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. Please bow your head and your heart before Him. Humble yourself in His presence and acknowledge that we are sinful by nature. He is righteous and holy. And our sinful nature and His righteousness cannot coexist without the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our life. So with every head bowed that's in the room today and every eye closed, if you would this morning pray with me, Lord Jesus, we ask that, Father, that you would search and foremost uh, deal with our, our, our brokenness and our sinfulness in our life. Lord, if there's sin that has separated us from our God, if our iniquity has kept us from you, O oh Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would minister your grace unto our hearts. And I pray the, uh, the, from the depths of our soul that we would begin to feel the Spirit welling up in us. I pray that we would be honest before you and confess that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And Lord, that we would ask God, come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and be my Lord and be my Savior. And I promise God that as you strengthen and help me in your word, I will walk with you and follow you until Christ returns. Lord, I pray for those that are faithful followers. But yet, Lord, as we live in the uncertainties of this troubling world, it's real easy sometimes to allow the things of this world to overcome us. May we be reminded in your spirit, O oh God, that you hold our todays as well as our tomorrows and that we should rest in you. And Lord, we thank you that you are a God who loves us and called us to a work. Lord, may we be about the Father's business. Lord, may we go forth and proclaim the gospel into our Jerusalems, our Judeas, our Samarias, and even to the uttermost parts of the world. May, Lord, our lives be an example for you. May we be ambassadors for the coming Christ. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity this morning to minister the word of grace and the word of God. Pray, Heavenly Father, that you would manifest your Holy Spirit to us and through us, O Lord. Now, Father, I pray that if there is one who does not know you, Lord, that they would make that step towards you and you would make the steps towards them. And by your Spirit, you would draw them out of their sin 
cleanse them from their unrighteousness and set them apart for the Father's work. Lord, thank you for what you do for us and how you speak to us in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you, please see me before you leave. I would love to take the time personally to spend in God's Word to show you how that you can know without a shadow of a doubt you are saved by His grace. If you are out there and you are listening by way of the uh, Internet, I encourage you, if you've never received Jesus Christ, would you just... Give me a call, give me an email, and I'll be glad to spend some time with you and share with you how you too can know Jesus as your Savior. Church, the work of God is still before us. The future that we have is His to unfold. The labor that we must do is for us to do. So I encourage you, go and be the church. May God bless you and keep you as you live for Him. Now let me give you some instructions as we sign off from uh, the...